Today we're going to be talking about the spiritual dimension of, of our homes and what makes a happy home, what makes a home blessed. And this is going to apply to everybody. This is going to apply to parents and children and married couples and singles and anybody who has any interaction with any other human being. So pretty much everybody. Um, I'm going to try to cover the, the essentials that I believe the Lord has prepared for us and the Lord directs us toward in having a home that is blessed and happy and prosperous. And we're going to cover some, some spiritual aspects as far as spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about spiritual dimensions and, um, and generational sins. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things that have to do with ministry within our own dwelling place, our own abode. You know, there was that old song. It says, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And remember um, in The Wizard of Oz, she's like, there's no place like home. She's clicking her little heels together. There's no place like home. But the sad reality of it is that not everyone um, grows up in a home that's happy or blessed or prosperous. You know, there are those who grow up in homes and that, that place is a place of, of war. It's a battleground. It's, a, it's not a place of safety. It's not a place of healing or a place where people have encouragement. And so today we're going to be kind of covering all of it, all the different aspects of, of home and um, of inviting the Lord to come in. And so just in order to be sensitive to that, I would just like to ask you guys to pray together with me just um, that the Lord would really do what he wants to do today, that he would, he would complete his agenda. So could you just open your hands up like this as a symbol that you want to have God come in and speak to you? (sighs) Lord, I, I thank you for the lyrics of that song, With Arms Stretched Wide. Lord, you hear my cry. Speak to me now. Speak to me now. I surrender. Lord, that's the cry of our hearts today. Speak to us concerning Um, not only our past and not only our present situation, Lord, but also the future, also the things and the promises and the hope that you have for us, Lord. We offer ourselves to you and we ask that you would change us today in your presence. And it is for your name and your glory alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Zig Ziglar uh, was a a motivational speaker. And one of the things that he said was people who have good relationships at home are more effective in the marketplace. That kind of stands to reason, right? You assume that if somebody has a happy home life, they're probably going to do better at work because it can be really distracting. If you're having problems at home, you kind of take it to work with you. Um, but I want to say again, I, I don't check out here if you're single or even if you live alone, this, this can apply Literally, literally across the board in some aspect or some element, either through how you were raised in the childhood that you had or um, even your work situation, even your place of uh, employment. Um, most of the scriptures that I'm going to read today are from the New International Version. I kind of cut my teeth on the NIV, and so um, I memorized a l- large chunks of 
the Bible in the NIV. So even though sometimes I, I like to switch them around, today I'm going to mostly be using the NIV. And we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1. You know, we've been going through the book of Proverbs. And I, I want to encourage you again, if, if you've only been through the Proverbs that one time, we went through it in July as a church family. Um, you know, there's 31 Proverbs, so there's one for every day. I just encourage you, this is called the book of wisdom. This is a really good way to understand primarily uh, interpersonal relationships, which obviously um, relates to what happens in our home. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Now these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. So Solomon, if you remember, he went before the Lord and God said to him, what do you want? And Solomon said, I would like wisdom, please. And the Lord said, that's the right answer. And because you asked for wisdom, I'm also going to give you riches and fame and power. And, and so he became the most influential man in the world and the most wise. Well, he was, remember the story of David and Goliath where David took his sling and slew the, dry, the giant? This is his son, Solomon. And so the book of Proverbs really is about the wisdom. And it says the purpose is, the purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose, um, the purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Anybody want to live a, a disciplined and successful life? Oh, five of you? Wow, yeah. What do the rest of you want to live? <laughs> you want to live lame existence, just get through the day? Level up to that next level on the video game. Um, the purpose, let's see, it says, These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, it says. It's saying, know the ways of the Lord. Know the thoughts of the Lord and the sayings of the wise. Above all else, because in, in this in this time period, the heart represented everything about our emotions and our soul and our motivations and our attitudes and everything. That's kind of what heart is saying here. And it's saying, guard that. Guard your heart. And one of the best ways to guard your heart is to, is to understand the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. And to grasp that is one of the best ways that we can guard our hearts. So, Ministry starts in the home. I'm going to talk about three essentials that I believe every home needs in order to be prosperous, happy, um, blessed. And those three essentials are safety, healing, and encouragement. And today I'm really going to focus mostly on safety. Um, that's where we're going to be talking about some of the spiritual aspects. Um, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you, you do, and he will establish your plans. Is that up here? Yeah. Oh, all your plans will succeed. 
Oh, I had first service memorized the other version. This is the NIV. We're going to memorize this together. You guys ready? You ready to memorize some scripture? Wow, you guys are a quiet crowd. Yeah, woo! Okay, all right, you ready? Commit to the Lord. Repeat it after me. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and all your plans will succeed. Okay, I can barely hear you. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and all your plans will succeed. Okay, one more time. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and all your plans will succeed. Okay, now close your eyes and say it. Okay, ready? All, all in a row. Ready? Go. Commit to the Lord. What? Wow. Good job, you guys. That was great. Okay, so committing to the Lord whatever you do. Whatever you do. This is talking about everything in your entire life, including your family life, your home, your job, your finances, your marriage, your parenting, your relationship with your neighbors, everything. Commit it all to the Lord. And you know, it's, it's difficult when we sing songs like I Surrender because we are such control freaks, aren't we? Or is it just me? We want control, don't we? You, you, and, and the funniest thing is control is such an illusion. We really virtually have very, very, very little control over really anything. We have self-control, but that's a fruit of even the Spirit. So that's from without, I mean, that's from the Holy Spirit giving us self-control. And so the thing is that when we surrender and commit to the Lord whatever we do, that is when our plans will succeed. Isn't that good news? So we're going to talk about safety. Billy Graham, anybody know Billy Graham? He said, the first essential for a happy Christian home is that love must be practiced. The first essential for a happy Christian home is that love must be practiced. He doesn't say anything about obedience, keeping the law, rules, None of that. It says that love must be practiced. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, those who are kind benefit themselves. Got that? Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Now, this is where it gets real here, okay? Home is not the place where you let your guard down and just kind of become just whoever you feel like being. But that tends to be how we respond, right? We get home, we're like, I'm home, I'm going to relax. And sometimes what that means is that we act ways that don't honor God or ways that aren't kind to our family, right? We do this. We think, oh, home is a place where we can just kind of let it all hang out and just whatever, who cares? But home is the place where you have your true faith and your true belief tested. Your true Christianity is measured in your home. What you're like with those you live with, with your family, or even with your coworkers, is the true test of your godliness. It's easy to come to church and act all godly, right? Well, yes, I've been reading the scriptures all week and 
fasting, of course, right? But your family knows you or your roommates. They really know what you're like. Home is the place where you need to commit to the Lord whatever you do so that you will have a successful and a happy home. And if I can just say this, be nice to your roommates or your spouse or your kids or your parents or your siblings. Be nice. Okay? Is this convicting? Anybody? And another thing I just want to say, and this is something that I regret. I I blew it in this area when I was raising my kids. So I just want to say, put your phone down. Okay? Put your phone down and engage with your family. It's so easy to have your phone in front of you and, and to give people the message that whatever's on that screen is more important than them. Even when you go to the grocery store or you go to the store... Put your phone down and engage with the people. I had a lady come to my house yesterday from the Census Bureau. And at first I kind of had this bad attitude. I, you know, I was like, I just want to, I have a lot to do today. I don't really want to talk to her. But I just started to think, you know what? God is bringing this person to my front door. I need to engage. So I invited her in, and we did kind of the the census thing. And apparently I'm representing 4,000 families in Utah, so you're welcome. I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm like the most non-traditional family. It's me and Miranda who lives with me. And so I don't think I'm really a representative of 4,000 other homes. But anyway, so that's what this whole census thing is. So we kind of got through that stuff. But then this woman started to just pour out her heart. And she started to tell me her story. And I started to go, wow, she's here because God has an assignment for me for this person who's right in front of me. And so I just kept praying, Lord, give me opportunities to share your love with her. And so it was so awesome. She ended up staying for like an hour and a half, and apparently I need to meet with her like for several times. So next time, next month we're going to get together and we're going to go out for lunch. So it's pretty cool. And I just want to say that, you know, Those people that God puts in front of you, take the opportunity to be a blessing and to to let God use you and to let God pour through you in these situations. I think I skipped over, I skipped over a whole part here. I want to go back to this because I believe this is a prophetic word for the adventure family, for us as a church. Um, You know, I went to uh, California. I was at, it was called a revelational foundation or um, formations intensive. That's a long way of saying it was about spiritual stuff. And, and it was about being, understanding the spirit world and understanding the things of the spirit world. And as I was praying for us, I really felt like this was something the Lord was saying. It's in Isaiah 61. So if you want to look it up in your smartphone, Isaiah 61, starting with verse one. Now imagine that this is what your home looks like. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn that he may be glorified. I believe this is our mission in our own home to our families or our spouses or our roommates or whatever, 
is that we are called to bring good news to those who are hurting. We're called to bring them that that word of hope. You know, the Bible says God is a God of all hope. And it says, and hope does not disappoint us. No matter what you're going through, God is a God of hope. And that's something that he's called us to offer to other people. And it also says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That if, you, if you're waiting and waiting for something to happen, that your heart can actually become sick from that. But he's called us to bring that hope, to bring good news to those who are hurting. He's called us to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, to be available to our family members when we see that they're hurting or they're broken or our spouse or our children or our, even our parents and to say, hey, are you okay? It seems, like, it seems like you're hurting. You know, can I pray for you? It says to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. Sadly, many of us did not grow up in homes where this was the characterization of our home. We grew up in homes where it was a place of destruction, a place of tearing down. For some people, a place of trauma and abuse and a war zone. And it was not a place of safety. But imagine if we could turn it around and this is what our homes looked like. This is what we did while we were in our homes. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? For two of you? <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so again, now back, uh, fast forward again, spiritual warfare in the home. One of the things that I always recommend to people is read the word of God over your home. Read the word of God in your home. There's a couple, and I think I've told you about this couple. I, I say that um, I came to the Lord on the installment plan, and right before the final installment of when I really surrendered to the Lord, I lived with this couple in California who didn't know the Lord, and in the midst of the time when I lived with them, I became a Christian. That was when I fully surrendered my life to the Lord. And one of the things that I did in their home was I cleaned their house. As I was cleaning their house... I would, when I would go into their room, I would put my hands on their bed and I would read the word of God out loud in their room. Is it creepy? Does that sound creepy to you? No? Okay. Or when I was in the shower, I would be, I would be, you know, quoting scripture, reading the word of God. And it seemed like nothing was really happening, but I kept doing this on a weekly basis. I would just pray through their house, pray the word of God out loud in their house, obviously when they weren't home. And they would have thought I was crazy if they would have come home and I was reading the Bible out loud. And I didn't think anything was happening. But about 10 years ago, I got an email from them saying that they, after 20 years, had come to Christ. 20 years it took after I moved out of their house. Yeah, give God a shout out. They ended up coming to the Lord, and I believe it's because of the power of the word of God. Read the word of God out loud in your house, over your children, over your, your family room or your kitchen or whatever, and just watch the presence of the Lord begin to visit that place and to clean out the junk. You know, I think years ago, I remember, like, when I first became a Christian, there was this whole movement, like, there was a demon behind every tree. You know, that was kind of, we were casting demons out of carrots, and it was just weird. It was just really weird stuff. And I think that the pendulum, you know, the pendulum always swings back and forth. 
And I think now the pendulum in the body of Christ has kind of swung toward theology and uh, intellectualism and doctrine and all these things. And those things are very important. But Jesus himself warned us of the spirit world. And the Bible has enough evidence, it says, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of the darkness. And, and it says that our struggle is not, or, or the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're spiritual. Of the, for the tearing down of strongholds, there are strongholds. At this um, revelational formation intensive that I went to, we went from 9 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night every single day for five days in a row with no breaks. And we learned about the spirit world and about things of the spirit. And I am more convinced than ever that, that in North America, we somehow have this idea that there aren't demons in America, Right? Those are all in Africa or somewhere, right? Or those are in some, you know, Thailand, right? Or, or obviously in Sweden or something. You know, like we don't really believe that there are demonic forces here. But let me just tell you this. There are demonic forces that are set out to destroy you, to lie to you, to trip you up. And what they are saying to you is that you are an imposter, that you are worthless, that you're a phony, that you're not who you want everybody to think you are, that, that you don't have any influence. These spirits are criticizing you and lying to you. And when you hear a voice, when you hear a lie in your brain, guess what? The evil spirits will use your voice to lie to you. Because that way it'll be easier for you to believe that it's actually true. And Satan will lie to you. And then he will set up all kinds of scenarios throughout your life to tell you that that lie is actually the truth. He will set up situation after situation after situation. And there are evil spirits. There are lying spirits that want to destroy you. And if you don't believe that there are, you are prone to being attacked by them. There's two things Satan wants us to believe as, as Christians, as people who have surrendered their lives to Christ. Number one, he wants us to believe that he doesn't exist. And number two, he wants us to believe, if we won't believe that, he wants us to believe he's involved in everything. He is not all powerful. God is all powerful. God is the only one to whom we should surrender ourselves. We don't surrender to lies. We don't surrender to things. If you know something is contrary to what the word of God says, rebuke it. Kick it out of your head. Take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. If, if you hear that lie that says you're worthless, that is not the spirit of God. That is not Jesus talking to you. That is a demonic spirit lying to you. In America, believe it or not, and you don't have to know the name of whatever the spirit is. It's nice to know the name. And, and I think you should ask the Lord to reveal to you what you're dealing with. When you're dealing with demonic spirits, you don't have to know the name of them. But it helps because then you really can recognize what it is. But the thing is that these spirits can tear apart marriages they can tear apart families. They can tear apart churches. They can break up close friends. And if they're left to grow, that is exactly where the enemy wants you to end up. 
broken, decimated, rejected, abandoned. That's what the enemy wants. And, and I also want to warn you, though, don't attribute the, the flesh to things of the spirit. For example, if you have bitterness and unforgiveness, I believe that there is a spirit of criticism. I believe there's a, a demonic spirit of criticism that comes and whispers in your ear and tries to get you to criticize those around you. But I also know that that's also an effect of bitterness. That bitterness, which is of the flesh, bitterness will also prevent you from being able to see someone clearly. And you will also see them distorted because of your unforgiveness toward them. So we don't attribute everything to the demonic and to the spiritual because we do have our flesh to contend against. But also don't deny the possibility that what you're dealing with might be the evil one. Like those days, for example, let's say you, you, you say, I'm just kind of feeling off today. I just don't feel like myself. You know those days where you feel like something's going on? One of the things that, they, that I learned at this intensive, they said that anything that changes your personality probably has a personality of its own. So if, you, if you're sensing like you're, you're more depressed than normal or you're, you're more anxious than normal, it could be a demonic spirit. It could possibly be that. And what I want to say is tell somebody the lies that you're hearing. Expose it into the light. You know, we sang that song, let there be light. Open the eyes of the blind. Open our eyes, God, that we can see into the spirit, Lord, so that we can recognize what our evil one, the evil one is doing, what our enemy is doing. You know, pray this. Pray this for yourself and tell other people, confess it to somebody. Say, I don't know what's going on. I'm just not feeling like myself. And don't make any major decisions. If you're feeling off or you're not feeling like yourself, are you feeling like there's some kind of an external something or other lying to you? And I also want to say it's, it's a really good thing to recognize this, even in maybe if you're a parent and you still have children in the home to recognize there might be some spiritual things going on in your kids too. So don't be afraid to lay hands on them and pray. And pray that God would replace whatever that demonic lie is with truth. Does this make sense? Is this creeping anybody out? Anybody freaked out by this? It's real. The, the, the spiritual realm is just as real as the physical. And a lot of times it parallels. A lot of times whatever is going on in the spiritual will be par- is parallel to whatever is happening in your physical life. And I just want to say also, don't parent from your heart. Because that's a dangerous thing. Parent from truth. Parent from the word of God. Parent from the the Bible. The manual God has given us. The Proverbs. Because the Bible does say our hearts are deceitfully wicked. It says that we can tend to be deceived. And if there are these lying spirits that are trying to throw us off course, they might try to do that with our kids too. So, I mean, I don't want to get dogmatic and legalistic, but it's really good to know the Proverbs so that you can attach your decisions and your, and your parenting to that. And we're going to talk about that more later. Um, but the second thing that I want to talk about, so we talk about spiritual warfare. Now I want to talk about spiritual dynamics or the spiritual atmosphere, let's say. So if I walked into your house today, what would the spiritual atmosphere be? Is your home a place where people walk in, they're like, 
oh, man, it's so peaceful in here. Or, oh, I, I sense the spirit of the Lord in your house. Or is your house a house of contention and a house of, of anxiety and strife? Do some spiritual house cleaning. This is a super practical thing. And, and here's the thing. You know what? Ask the Lord. One of, one of my, well, it's not my favorite prayer. I, I'll say one of my most common prayers. I don't really like this prayer. But one of the prayers that I strongly recommend that you pray is, Lord, whatever is in the darkness, reveal it in the light. I have prayed that prayer many times and had some pretty amazing things revealed. And do some spiritual house cleaning. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what am I dealing with here? What is this that I'm sensing? And pray against it. And if you're wrong, so what? What have you lost? Some breath. A couple of seconds. You know, if it's not there. And like my first pastor used to say, you know, the, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, so you kind of take the sword and kind of just stab at the dark and then, boom, oh, there's something. It's a critical spirit. I recognize this critical spirit. And just say, Lord, replace this critical spirit with a spirit of approval, spirit of acceptance. Always come against the demonic with the opposite spirit, with, with whatever spirit. You know, every demonic spirit is a counterfeit or, or is contrary to the things of God. And I want to ask you, so what are you bringing into your home? What kind of a dynamic, what kind of a spiritual dynamic are you bringing into your home through your music or through what you watch on TV or through alcohol or drugs or some of the other things that can be impacting the spiritual atmosphere in your home? You know, it's not too late. You can do some spiritual house cleaning. Or if you buy a new house, I strongly recommend... Pray through that new, that new home. Pray that the Lord would reveal to you if something has gone on in that house in the past. I, I'm not trying to get weird and, you know, ooh, I'm just trying to tell you that this is actually a reality. It is real. It's as real as flesh and blood. It is as real as what you can see and touch and hear and feel. It says in Proverbs 24, 3, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding, it is established. Pray that God would give you understanding, understanding of the spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and also the spirit world and the dynamics in the spirit world. In Proverbs 10, 1, it says a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. I don't like that. I'm like, why doesn't it say a wise son brings joy to his mother, but a foolish son brings grief to his father? Why doesn't it say that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Have you heard that comedian who said, you know, the saying, happy wife, happy life? He goes, I wish life rhymed with husband. You guys are so quiet today. Wow. Coffee? (laughs) I want to just say this because I feel like this is a really, really significant thing. In Proverbs 13, 24, it says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We're going to talk more about discipline next week. But I want to say this. For those of you who have raised your children um, and they're, they're grown and they've made their own choices, I want to just I want to say you are released from the responsibility if they have walked away from the Lord. 
I think too many times people will, will read Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end he, he will not depart from it. And some of you are saying, I did the best I could. I raised my children to serve the Lord. I, I, I had the word of God in the, in the home, and I, I did my best. Do not receive the condemnation of the evil one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it says in Romans 8. Your children, when they become that age of accountability, when they become adults, they make their own choices. So be set free from that. If you have a child who is a prodigal, who is not walking with the Lord, stop beating yourself up over that. Unless, however, the Holy Spirit reveals something to you that you need to repent for to them. I mean, that's another whole thing. And you can ask any of my kids. I, I go back to them on a regular basis, and I'm like, is there anything that you can think of from your childhood that I need to repent for or ask for forgiveness in other words, if you're on the therapist's couch someday, what are you telling them about me is basically what I ask them. You know, what do I need to re- repent for? Because I realize I've made a lot of mistakes. I made so many mistakes as a parent. And, and we both did. Both Eric and I did. And one of the things I tell my, kid, my kids with, who have their own children, I say, you know, thank God you're going to avoid so many of the mistakes that we made as parents. I said, but you're going to make a whole new set of your own, you know? <laughs> but the thing is about your children, when they make their own choice, they will answer to God. To each one's own master, he must stand or fall, and God is able to make him stand. I'm not saying to stop praying for that prodigal, stop praying for your child who's not serving the Lord, but I'm saying be released from the condemnation. Be released from the guilt and the false shame that the evil one, the accuser. You know the name Satan means accuser. He uses his words. That's the power he has is to lie. There was a, There is such a thing. We're going to talk about generational sins, and I'm almost done here. But I want you to tell your children, for those, those of you who still have young children or who will have children someday, and also for everybody to recognize generational sins. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the third and fourth generation. It, it talks about this in Exodus, that there are generational sins. But I also want to say that it can be broken. We are not under the curse of the law, that those things can be broken, but not until we really recognize it. And, and we talk to our kids a lot about tendencies. You know, I had the tendency to do this and that, and your dad had the tendency to do this and that. And, and you know, a lot of those things are, are at the root of our deepest pain and our deepest source of brokenness. But God is a God of hope, and he can bring healing and freedom and deliverance, and he can break those generational sins, those generational tendencies. Sometimes it's just learned behavior. You know, you watch how your parents interacted, and then you start to become that. You know, when, you're, when your mom's voice starts coming out through your mouth, and you're like, wait, where did that come from? You know, that feeling. Sometimes it's learned behavior, but sometimes it is a spiritual thing. And that's when you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and bring revelation to you. Um, There was a theologian in the 17th century named Thomas Fuller. And this, I hope this gives you hope as parents or if you have children who've walked away from the Lord or if you're still raising your kids. 
This is what he said. Lord, I find the genealogy of my Savior strangely checkered with four remarkable changes in four immediate generations. You know how a lot of times we will um, read through the genealogies in the Bible and just kind of skip over it? Like, why would we read that? So apparently this guy had too much time on his hands, and he did like this whole Bible study on the genealogy in Matthew. And it says, it says, number one, Rehoboam begat Abijah. That is, a bad father begat a bad son. Number two, Abijah begat Asa. That is, a bad father begat a good son. Number three, Asa begat Jehoshaphat. That is, a good father begat a good son. And number four, Jehoshaphat begat Joram. That is, a good father, a bad son. It says, I see, Lord, from hence that my father's piety cannot be entailed. That is bad news for me. What he means is, in other words, your children's salvation can't be inherited. There's, God doesn't have grandchildren. It's first generation. So he's saying, my father's piety cannot be entailed. That's bad news for me. But I also see that actual impiety is not always hereditary. And that is good news for my son. So you see, it's saying, it's saying that good parents can have bad kids and, and bad parents can have good kids. And ultimately, you, unless the Holy Spirit starts to show you something that you need to ask for forgiveness for, and, and by all means, if he does do that, go to your children and ask for forgiveness for your mistakes. Don't make excuses for yourself. Don't be defensive if they start to tell you things you did that have impacted them or hurt them. But also, for those of you, if, you're, if you have parents who are open to hearing that, it might be a point of reconciliation for you to go to your parents and to just say, you know what, please forgive me. I've been holding this against you for all these years. And forgive them. If you feel like you've sinned against your kids or against your parents, go and reconcile with them. And if you've tried and failed, then you need to just let it go and trust the Lord with the outcome. I just want to say, um, again, I, I don't want this to, to be weird and crazy and like, you know, um, just kind of out there. But I want you to, the Bible says, don't be unwise to the schemes of the evil one. It says we are not unaware of his schemes. There are going to be certain lies that are going to be recurrent in your head. And you might just dismiss it as, oh, you know, that's just, I'm, that's just what I'm thinking. But don't, don't quickly dismiss the fact that it might be something external that is trying to, to ruin you, to lie to you, and to trip you up, and to paralyze you, and to carve you out from other people. And I just want to say also, back to the critical spirit, Again, if it's bitterness, that's one thing. That's something else to be dealt with. But if you find yourself being hypercritical of someone, realize that the accuser, Satan, the accuser, is lying to you and through you. And I'm not trying to be self-serving by saying this, but you are going to be hypercritical of me. You're gonna, it's going to be so easy for you to find all of my flaws. And you're going to be critical of your spouse. 
and of your siblings and of your parents and of your children and of your coworkers. But that is a spirit because that is the opposite spirit of Jesus, right? You never walk away from spending time with Jesus and you feel like you're a loser. That is the opposite spirit. The spirit of Jesus is one of love and acceptance and sometimes conviction, but there's always hope. There is always, always, always hope. So I know, um, I know that everyone, no matter how godly your parents were, um, we've all experienced hurts. We've all experienced the results of humanity, of, of sin, of poor choices, maybe of some demonic things. Um, would you mind standing with me? And we're just going to invite the Spirit of the Lord to come and speak to us concerning this. I'm going to address three groups of people. Um, the first one is if, if you have experienced some trauma in your home, or you're currently experiencing some trauma in your home. I want to say this again. Um, if you are being hurt or abused, please tell someone. Please talk to someone. You, you should not stay in a dangerous situation. Okay? And, and if you're having these recurrent lies, say it. Tell someone. Talk to someone about it. So the first group of people I'm going to address are those you've been, you've been traumatized or you've been hurt somehow. You've been broken or you have some residual wounds. And whatever it is that's in your mind, it's that. That's what Jesus wants to address right now. Okay? The second group of people is um, if you're the one who, and you know, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, saying you, you hurt your family because of this whatever again whatever that is in your in your mind that's what Jesus wants to deal with with you and then the third group is if you think what i what i'm saying is something that you've never you've never heard of before and you don't and you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus you know that you've never really surrendered to him you've never offered him your life and your heart and and he wants you to know that he is a god of hope and he has nothing but love and acceptance and forgiveness for you. And he is the one. The Bible says, again, I say this all the time because I rely on this. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will clean you up. He will change you. He is the one who is a God of hope, and hope does not disappoint us. So let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before your mighty hand that you might lift us up, Lord, that we could really understand your goodness, Lord. We're so blinded sometimes, God, by, by our own, um, well, by the lies. I guess we're actually, our ears are, are made to be deaf from hearing your love and your affirmation and your forgiveness for us. Lord, and I know that grace always wins. Grace always wins. Grace trumps all of it. And so, Lord, we surrender to you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of hope and that hope does not disappoint us. Lord, and there are those in this room who have been so broken and so rejected and 
traumatized and abandoned, Lord, by parents or by, by even by um, grandparents or siblings or spouses. Lord, and I just thank you that your, your promise is to bring healing. I just ask that you would pour out a spirit of healing in this place right now. Pour out your hope, Lord God. Lord, you, you have come to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, you have come to, to give good news to those who are afflicted. And so, Lord, right now, I just pray for those who have been so hurt, so wounded and traumatized. And if that's you, I just want to ask you to be bold and just look up at me and just agree with me that, that you want to be healed. Yeah, yeah. You want to be set free from those lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you too. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. There's a lot of us in here. Yeah. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's, he's anointed me. He's given me his spirit to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Good news for the afflicted. Yes, Lord, let your spirit just bring your healing, Lord. Pour over us, pour over us your healing. Yes. The second group I want to address is, you know you've been the one who's, who's brought that pain to somebody else. You've been the one who's damaged someone, and you're you're deeply sorry and you want to reconcile that. I just want to ask again if that's you, if you could just lift up your eyes and just look at me and agree with me with no condemnation. Yeah, yeah. You just want, you want Jesus to just let you know you're forgiven. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Jesus has freedom. Jesus has forgiveness for you. Yeah. This is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice in that forgiveness, that devastation that we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah, I forgive you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Yeah, you're forgiven. The Lord knows, and he forgives you. And the third group I want to just address is um, those You've never really surrendered to Jesus. You've never given him your life or your heart. You've, you've never received that forgiveness that he offers on the cross. And today, the Lord is just saying he wants, to, he wants to just show you his goodness. He wants to show you his acceptance and his approval and his forgiveness and his grace and his love for you. He's just asking you to just say yes to him, to resist those lies that are telling you this isn't real. These people are all crazy, especially the one on stage. The Lord really wants you to know that he, he is crazy in love with you. He loves you, and he wants to bless you. If that's you, could you just lift up your eyes and just agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. You too? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, Lord, we thank you. 
We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are a God of hope. We thank you that you have promised, Lord, that if we ask you for wisdom, you will give it generously without finding fault. Lord, and as we as we go into our homes, Lord, and as we do spiritual warfare, Lord, and as we set that spiritual atmosphere by inviting your presence in, inviting your peace in and your healing, Lord, we just ask that you would be glorified in our homes. Lord, for those the, those of us who have business to attend to, either to forgive or to repent to someone else, Lord, I ask that, that today would be the day. And I ask, Lord, for great stories of reconciliation and healing and freedom in our families and in our homes. And we bless you, Lord, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.